You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. It's good to see you. Good to see so many of you in the second service. I wonder why that is strange. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. And as we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, we've been lodged in Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount here for a while now. And we saw last week that Jesus, he talked about our treasures and our possessions and our stuff and our, our goals and our wants and our money, what we seek. He told us that today's treasures will be tomorrow's trash and that we should be storing up treasures in heaven. Funded by good works today, kingdom living today, reminding us that there really is a hedge fund for you waiting in the heavenly places. As co-heirs of the universe with Christ, your future isn't bleak. So store up treasures there. And if we actually do that, this is going to lead us naturally to what Jesus is going to tell us today. That don't worry If you're really going to store up treasures there and not be concerned so much with stuff here, then it's going to lead you to do things different with money and things with your stuff. So Jesus says, don't worry. And he has a word for all of us, worry warts and nervous Nellies and hand ringers and doubting doomsdayers, whatever other term we want to use. Jesus has a word for us to help us. So let's read it together. As we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word in honor of Christ. And beginning in verse 25, the Lord Jesus tells us, Therefore I tell you, and the therefore is there because he said, you can't have two masters, God and money. So you got to pick. And if we pick God and we're not as dedicated to money, things are going to change. So therefore, don't worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Now, why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us now. We we have all come in here with worries and concerns and fears and anxieties. Help us, King Jesus. You want better for us by your power. So give us a vision from your word today on what to do with our worry and what we should be really worried about. 
Help us now. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know, last year, my sister, who is five years younger than me, was having some pretty severe GI issues and going, couldn't figure out what was going on, what was going on. And then eventually they found out through a, you know, a colonoscopy that she had some pretty decent-sized polyps that, for her young age, was concerning and needed to be removed. And it's good they found them now and not when she was older or she'd probably have colon cancer. So her doctor tells her, or asks her, do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have an older brother. You need to tell him. He needs to go get screened. So her doctor tells her to tell me to tell my doctor what's going on. Through that chain of events, I, 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 I feel fine. I have no issues. I'm not having any GI problems. But through my mom's, you should go, you should go. I was like, okay. I go to the gastro doc. I tell him I'm here. He goes, why? You seem relatively healthy. Only, all you take is Walgreens Zyrtec brand. Why are you here? So my sister is five years younger than me, and they found some pretty large polyps in her colon. His eyelids flung open like a kid on Christmas morning, ripping the sheets back. He typed a couple things and just looked at me and said, Jeff, you are at a high risk for colon cancer. We need to get you a screening soon. Do you think I left there worried? Yes. Absolutely I left there worried. So what happens after that kind of appointment? You text your spouse. Here's what the doctor said. What do you do after that? You Google colon cancer symptoms. I didn't have any of them until I searched for them. Now they're everywhere. And my worry index was climbing. Well, I probably only have stage two, so that's good. I'm sure they can deal with it. I'm sure I'll be fine. This is it. This is the story. Young pastor, young family battling colon cancer. This is what you hear. My screening came back clear. No, no problems. So there are, you know, if I'm not worrying about cancer on one end, which is a legit concern for a lot of us in this body who are battling cancer and sickness, which look at what Jesus tells us at the very end of this passage. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Okay, we've heard that. But don't forget this part. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Our days are filled with trouble. So Jesus is not saying, oh, put on rose-colored glasses. Everything's great. No, our days are filled with trouble. Things that worry us, things that legit worry us, like cancer, and things that don't worry us. So if I'm not worrying about cancer, I'm worrying about my chicken being undercooked. Natalie will cook chicken, and I look at it like, it's kind of gummy, Kind of thing. She's like, just eat it. It's fine. I'm like, I don't know. I... And if I'm not worrying about my cancer that I don't have, or if I'm not worrying about chicken that's undercooked, then I'm worrying about my children. They're playing in the neighborhood. They're going to get abducted. I know it. It's just going to happen. I better put a tracker behind the ears to make sure they're safe and their teeth so they'll, you know, they're not going to rip their teeth out. The kidnappers, they'll be fine. Now, if I'm not worrying about that, then I'm worrying about Natalie. How come she hasn't texted me back yet? She's probably dead. She, maybe she got abducted. I don't know what happened. Are you getting a sense that I have a problem? And I don't think I'm alone either. Do you remember if you closed the garage this morning? Every service, every, looking at you, did we close the garage? Did you lock the front door? Did you turn off the iron? Did you turn off the curling iron? If you ever had a newborn baby, how much do you sleep? You sleep peacefully the rest of your life, don't you? 
No. When they sleep, you are staring at them. I think they're moving. I, okay, yeah, she's moving. No, I don't know. I better wake her up. Make, make sure. There are constant worries. Sleeping at night, your mind races about money, about jobs, about schooling, about parenting, and on and on and on. And some are legit. Some are real troubles. Some are irrational. But what does Jesus say to do with all of these? What to do with worry? Simply, this is what Jesus says straight up three times in this passage. Don't worry. Don't worry. Look, three times. This is our Lord's simple, straight up command us. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. And he gets in detail. We'll get more into this. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Now skip down to 31. So don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Verse 34, summary of it all. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. So even, even bigger, don't worry about the future. All of these things, tomorrow, what we wear, our money, what we can buy, our food, what we eat, life, these are all things that can cause a low-grade panic for some of us. And I know there's, there's really two extremes that some of us go into. Some of us just kind of live, and this is probably where I live, just kind of with a low-grade panic. It doesn't really ever bubble over into a panic attack or an intense fretting, but just a simmering kind of unsureness and insecurity about life. Jesus wants to help us. He can help us. Some of us are on the other side. We, we hit the pedal and we accelerate into anxiety so quickly. We peel out and panic over our kids and over work, over life. And, and Jesus wants to help, help us here too, and he can. And here's one thing we need to realize about the heart of Jesus. Every time you hear something like this, you have your great God and Savior telling you, don't worry about your life. Addressing something that's very, very near to us that we can all relate to. I want you, when you read the scriptures and you find these kinds of things, I want you to stop and to think, okay, what kind of person would tell me such a thing? What kind of person would tell me, don't worry? Someone who doesn't care about me? No, someone who loves me intensely. Someone who doesn't want me to live that kind of panic-driven life. What does this tell me about the heart of Jesus? Is that, is that he is incredibly invested into your well-being. And that, beloved, Jesus knows you are going to struggle with worry. That's exactly why he tells his Galilean followers this here in Israel and why he's telling us here today in Tomball that we are going to struggle with worry and he has a helpful word for us. And really, on one practical level, Jesus, he gets very practical. He says in 27, can you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? Is worrying going to help you? Is it, is it going to give you more time to enjoy life? Literally, in Greek, it's, is it going to make you taller? No. Worrying steals time. Worry is, is like an, a cruel rocking chair. It's uncomfortable, and it doesn't take you anywhere. And Jesus knows his listeners are going to struggle with worrying about the things of life, and he knows we are going to worry about struggling with the things of life. But he says, friends, life is more than these things. And what two categories does Jesus address after saying, look at verse 25, don't worry about your life. And what two areas does Jesus go into, kind of ramp into this discussion? Look, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Or about your body, what you will wear, food and clothes. Isn't life more than food and clothing? These are big things. 
Like, don't read this passage and go, oh, Jesus is being pretty basic, food to clothe. Imagine you don't have food. You kind of need food to live. I don't know if you knew that. Clothes. Imagine you don't have clothes. You're in big trouble. So these are not small things Jesus is addressing. These are big categories of life, and Jesus says, don't worry about them. Now, for us, this is difficult because no one in this room has ever worried about food. Now, I've worried about food if they forgot to take the pickle off my Chick-fil-A. I worry about that. That's not what Jesus is talking about. You've worried about if the food on the mission trip was going to make you sick. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about don't worry about food to these people. Am I going to starve next week because we don't have enough money? No one here is worried about starvation. But that was a legit worry here. There was a famine. There was a drought. We have freezers. They do not. What about clothes? You ever worried about clothes? Not if they're in season. Not if they're cool. Not if they're popular. No, we're all fine with that. But Jesus listeners, the moms could worry about clothing if they didn't have enough money to buy the wool and the fabric to make the clothes for their kids. They didn't go out to Kohl's and buy clothes. Only insanely rich people were buying clothes on the regular. They were making their clothes. So Jesus is putting out some really basic but huge concerns that spiderweb into all different areas of life, work, money, health, and so on. And Jesus looks at us and looks at them and says, don't worry about these things. And when you hear Jesus say, don't worry, don't hear him saying, be carefree, be irresponsible, just relax, be reckless. That's not what Jesus is saying. Close your garage, wear your seatbelt. Turn off the curling iron, unless you want a nice burn mark on your thing. Turn off the, Jesus is saying, don't, I'm not saying be carefree. Jesus says there is a right kind of worry, a care and a concern, a right kind of seeking, which we'll see at the end. And there's a wrong kind of worry, a fretting, a panic, a mulling, a spinning out of control, a restlessness, a fear, and an anxiety. So today, what do you worry about? maybe only that you and the Lord know about. What do you worry about? As we seek to store up treasures in heaven, not on earth, things that moth and rust will destroy, what causes worry in your heart? I mean, even while I was writing this, my kids were playing outside in the neighborhood and it had been over an hour and I realized that and I was starting to get a little worried. It probably wasn't even an hour. It was, I'm probably exaggerating, so don't feel as be weird. It was probably like 20 minutes. They've been abducted. I know it. I should go out and look. I should go out and go check. And while I was studying, I felt a twinge of pain on the right back of my right leg, kind of near my hamstring, a really sharp pain. And I first thought, I probably have a blood clot like Kevin. That's exactly what's happening to me. It's contagious. Something happened. Of course I don't. Do I? Maybe I do. Blood clot symptoms. You made a job change, and it's not working out. Things are rocky. Or the bonus didn't come through. The, the sale fell apart. And now you're worried. You're not sleeping well. Tossing and turning. That next apartment, they don't like me. I'm managing these people. They've got a problem. Just tossing and turning, tossing and turning. And Jesus says, isn't life more than food and clothing? Isn't life more than these things that you are worried about? And in the middle of the mayhem, we go, no, it doesn't feel that way. 
The stress at work feels like the biggest thing in my life. My kids running in the neighborhood, getting abducted by some weird van. I don't know. This feels like a big concern. And Jesus steps in and says, friends, life is, there's more important things in life than being liked by your coworkers. There's more important things in life than having that new house with that sweet media room you're really hoping for. See, my disciples are tuned into different things. The kingdom, and we're going to get there, but Jesus takes us on a path there. So how, what do we do with our worry? Look what Jesus says in verse 26. Okay, isn't life more than food and clothing? Okay, help us, Jesus. Consider the birds of the sky. What? I'm worried and panicked, Jesus. You want me to think about birds? Yes. All right. Let's think about birds. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. The word consider here is so amazing. Think about it. What a great and helpful word this is. Jesus invites us into the moment. He wants you to use your brains. He, he wants you to use your imagination. Jesus doesn't want you to be a passive bystander in your panic. When you feel the fear and the anxiety, he says, get involved. Consider something with me. Get rational. Because fear and, and panic and anxiety gets totally irrational. Jesus says, get practical and get objective. Think about birds. Birds, Jesus? Yes. Birds. Crows, think about crows with me. They don't have a pantry. Look at what Jesus says in verse 26. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap. They don't gather into barns. They don't have freezers. They don't have H-E-B. They don't plant. They don't reap. Birds fly around scavenging to get a worm, scavenging for a little grub worm, and owls looking for rats. But look at what Jesus says. How does the early bird catch the worm? Or the owl, the rat? Or the seagull, the fish? Or the piece of bread from your blanket? How does it happen? Look at what Jesus says in 26. Yet life just works out for them. No. He says, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. It's not happenstance. It's not a random order of events. It's not Darwinian principles at work in the ecological structure of the animal kingdom. No, it is the sovereign God, our Father in heaven, feeding blue jays, feeding ravens, feeding owls, sending a rat across that field for the owl. Sorry for the rat. Jesus is saying, consider the rats. The pigeons, the seagulls, you name it. He's, Jesus says, our Father in heaven is taking care of them. Okay, Jesus, Cool. Look at what he says next. Aren't you worth more than they? Don't you know you are more precious to God than any sparrow? Don't you know that you are more precious to God than any blue macaw? If God diligently takes care of birds, don't you think he diligently will take care of you? So do you see the first thing Jesus says, here's what should be helping us with our worry, is here's the first thing we should consider. Consider your God. Don't live like a practical atheist or a practical agnostic when your anxieties and your fears and your worries come. Where is God? Jesus says, consider him. And what about God? Here's the first thing we should consider about God. Your heavenly father. That he's our father. 
We have two dogs and we have two kids. I love my kids. I like my dogs. Now, can you imagine a, a loving father, one who loves his kids, feeding their two dogs, filling up their bowls, filling up their water, making sure they get everything they need and talking to the dogs like we talk to dogs, whatever we do to them for some reason. And then the kids say, dad, we're hungry. Can we, we're ready. Can we have some eggs? We love eggs. And can you imagine a loving father saying, I, I don't have time for that. I got to feed my precious doggies. No. The kids would be like, hey, I, you're, I, I'm hungry. Will you take care of us? We're your children. And a loving father goes, of course, you want eggs, you want cheese, you want toast, you want bacon, let's do it. You can never imagine a loving father preferring to feed his dogs over his kids. And if that's what a good earthly father would do, how much more will your heavenly father take care of you? Because he loves you with an unparalleled love in the universe. And Jesus uses the same angle with the wildflowers. Look at what he says in 28. Why do you worry about clothes, this, this provision, this, this element of life? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet they can't even, Solomon can't even hold a candle to them in all of his glory. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace, won't he do much more for you? Much more. I mean, look at these flowers in Japan. Just out there doing their thing. Japan's got every country beat on flowers. Beautiful. We marvel at them. They didn't do anything to deserve this. They didn't put in long hours. They don't toil. They don't labor. They don't spin. They just grow. Flowers aren't dressing themselves better than King Solomon or better than people on the red carpet at the Oscars or some fashion show in Paris. Jesus says, you know how this happened? God did it again. And if God cares for flowers in Japan, don't you think God will do more for you? You know why we worry? As we consider God. I think there's two things about God that, we are, that are true of God that we really wish were true of us. And this is convicting for me too. I wish I were all-knowing. And you wish you were all-knowing too. That's why we worry. I need to know where my kids are. If I just know where they are, everything will be fine. I need to know what my boss is thinking. I, I need to know what's going to happen. I need to know what the doctor knows right now before the doctor knows. How come the scan is? I need to know. We imagine if we were all-knowing, then everything would be fine. And then we also wish we were all-powerful. If I know, I can fix it. If I'm all powerful, I can control it. I can arrange everything in my life to make sure it happens in the right way. But beloved, we aren't all knowing and we aren't all powerful, but we know the one who is and he cares for us and he will do much more for us. So I wanna give you some practical encouragement and homework that you can do, you can do today. And I think it will begin to change your life for the better. And you, it, you won't be able to do it all today, but you will be able to accomplish this this year. I, I totally believe that with all of my heart. I want to encourage you to turn on your Netflix and watch Planet Earth season one. And then watch Planet Earth. I want you to binge Planet Earth. 
Season two, Blue Planet one, Blue Planet two. I want you to binge on the glory of God. Binge watch it. The BBC Earth has spent millions of dollars to help you enjoy God. Take them up on the offer. They are putting on display how God cares for birds and lizards and macaws and whales and beluga thingamajigs, whatever. God does all of this. And they have captured it for you so you can see. Look at what God does. Watch it and then remember what Jesus asks you. Imagine Jesus sitting next to you as you watch Netflix. And as you go, man, look at those cheetahs, how fast they are. Man, look at that volcano, that's amazing. And imagine Jesus pausing it and going, aren't you much more worth than that? So as you consider your God, consider your worth. Look at what Jesus says in, 20, in 26. Your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Aren't you worth more than a seagull? Jesus is showing us the two things that are very true about our hearts. Our worry count and our worth index are connected. Your worry count and your, like our pollen count is high. Your worry count and your worth index are connected. And this might be best illustrated by today's modern Shakespeare, Pixar. Think about Toy Story. Spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen Toy Story by now, you just don't want to see it, and that's on you. So Andy gets a new toy, Buzz Lightyear. And Woody, his first favorite toy, is all worried that he's going to be forgotten by Andy. His worry count goes through the roof. Why? Because he feels like his worth index is plummeting. So he panics and wreaks havoc. This is every Toy Story, really. Woody has issues in every movie. Your worth index goes low. Worry meter goes high. Worth index goes high. Your worry meter goes, goes low. This is, the same in, not just, this is the same in every Pixar movie. Frozen. Moana, Incredibles, you name it. Not because Pixar is running out of ideas, but because this is the human condition. But Jesus is telling us disciples of the risen Christ, whose hearts have been made new, who've been crucified and raised with Christ, who have been filled with the spirit of Christ. Our worth index, our worth index now has a permanent place. Our worth index now has a calculation that cannot be moved. We cannot raise it. We cannot lower it. The worth index is now fixed because of a place called the skull. Because of a place where blood dripped down. And because of a stone that was rolled back and a risen carpenter walked out victorious. There's your worth index. See, we get confused because we know if you've been in church for a while or you, you sing hymns, you know uh, God saved a wretch. I'm a wretch. I'm a, the original word is a worm. I, I'm, I'm, my deeds are just like filthy rags and I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. We know all these things. And that is true. What the Bible is trying to teach us with those terms is that we are unworthy to achieve salvation. We cannot work our way into salvation. We are not Worthy of salvation. But God gives it to us. He gives us the worth. We don't achieve it. But God proves his own love for us 
your worth. That while we were still sinners, while we didn't deserve it, we were rebelling against God, Christ died for us. Nailed to that cross in public. Nailed to it like an insect. Naked before all. Humbled and humiliated before all. With our sins put on him. Why? For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, Christianity and the gospel, it retells your story. The world says you got to achieve your worth. you got to make your place. you, you got to worry. That's why Jesus says in 32, the Gentiles seek all these things. The, those who don't know God, they have to, they know we got to work hard to establish our worth. And, G, and the gospel says, God's given it to you. You find your worth in the death of the Son of God. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God is committed to you. That's why Jesus says in 32, oh, you of little faith, don't you know how much our Father loves us? Beloved, don't belittle God's love for you. And I promise, if you get insecurity about God, if you have insecurity about God, it will make you feel insecure in this life. Insecurity about God will make you feel insecure in this life. But isn't life more than food and clothing? Yes, Jesus says. It's about me being nailed to the cross for you. It's a message to your restless heart and a message to your restless mind that you can turn to God, that I have a God who loves me. I have a God who's for me. I have a Father in heaven who's handled my eternity. And so I have a Father in heaven that can handle my today. The sleepless nights you have, remember that you have a carpenter who is not asleep in the grave. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow, I can face today, and I can face now. Whatever it brings, whatever trouble tomorrow will bring. So here's what happens. Sometimes we can, we can misunderstand this passage. Okay, my father loves me. He's got me. That means my life is going to be great. Nothing horrible is going to happen. Wrong. This doesn't mean life will be easy. This doesn't mean life won't be hard. What Jesus is teaching us is that even though when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you. It means he still cares for you. It doesn't mean you will never hear the word cancer from a doctor. It doesn't mean that you'll never lose a job. It doesn't mean that you'll have to make lifestyle changes or budget changes in your family. It means Jesus is telling us, don't worry, because you are still in the love of God no matter what. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of a careening career, or you walk through the valley of any kind of uncertainty, we have a father in heaven, a good, good father. Therefore, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. So we will be afraid. Doesn't mean Christians should never fear. It means there will be occasions where we will be afraid, but we turn to go, I will trust in you, my father in heaven. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, not my worth, not my abilities, not my smarts, if I were all-knowing, if I could just figure it out, if I could fix it. No, in the one who is all-knowing, the one who is all-powerful, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So Jesus is saying, don't sit in your panic. Don't sit in your worry. Don't sit in your fear. Turn to God. 
and turn to the things of God. And this is where Jesus wants to redirect us. He wants to redirect our energy, all the energy we spend in worrying about our homes, worrying about our cars, worrying about our kids, GPA, if, if our boss notices us, if my delts are defined enough. Jesus says, hold on, hold on. Stop seeking yourself and your kingdom and concentrate on the kingdom. Look at verse 33. He says, the Gentiles seek all these things. Those who don't know God, they worry about their lives and their finances, and they they stress about all these things. But my disciples, verse 33, seek first, priority, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. So do you remember when Jesus asked, isn't life more than these things? He says, it is, and the answer is the kingdom of God, the reign of God now and forever. So Jesus is saying, stop seeking yourself first. Stop worrying about yourself first. My disciples worry about the kingdom first. My disciples worry about the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus is getting at. So this passage, it is not about tips and tricks on how to worry less. I almost titled the sermon that just to kind of get us all like, Jeff doesn't ever really talk like that. Seven ways to worry less. That's not what this passage is about. Because we all know it's possible to worry less. But if we worry less and then don't focus on the kingdom, Jesus says, no, no, no. You missed it. Jesus isn't just giving us tips and tricks on how to focus less on our worries. Jesus says, I want you to not focus on those things. I want you to focus on my kingdom. Because we all know it's possible you can lessen your anxiety and not amp up your concern for the gospel. Not amp up your concern for the kingdom of Christ. That's what Jesus is after. Is to stop putting all your energy into worrying about these things. Put some energy into the kingdom. Focus on the kingdom. See, the kingdom should not be in the margins of life. It should be in all of life. So don't worry about your, what you're going to buy with your money and how you're going to feed yourself and clothe your kids. Don't, don't stress about that. that. That will work out. I want you to think about how you're going to use your money for the kingdom. Tossing and, tossing and turning in your bed about your job. Okay. Jesus knows our days are going to have trouble. Got it. But disciples who seek the kingdom first... Do you ever toss and turn about unreached people groups? Do you ever toss and turn and lose sleep over your Muslim coworker? Do you ever toss and turn and lose sleep over your children who, who don't know Christ? And sometimes we don't feel concerned about the nations. We don't feel concerned about the unreached people groups in the 1040 window because we know God is sovereign. God's, God's going to reach all nations. True. But isn't God sovereign over your job as well? You stress out about that? Do you panic about how you're going to love your enemy this week? Do you ever ever get worried about, okay, how am I going to serve the needy? How am I going to get invested in the Tomball Pregnancy Center? Do you ever worry about spreading the gospel? Jesus says, seek the kingdom. Have an Amazon wish list of the people you want God to save. 
Jesus is talking about living out the kingdom. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. Now, it's not the right standing before godness that Paul talks about. Jesus is talking about that lived out righteousness that he's been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Being salt and light, seek that. Seek getting rid of anger and lust. That's more important than getting that cool, new, who's he, what it thingamajig. Seek honoring your marriage. Seek not having wiggly words like with oaths like we saw a couple weeks ago. Seek loving your enemy. Seek serving others, praying rightly, fasting rightly. Seek storing up not treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. This is what Jesus is saying. Seek these things. Worry about these things. Don't worry about your clothes. Worry about obeying these. Worry about following me. Worry about having faith with me because the Father won't forget about you. That All that stuff will happen. Seek this. And C.S. Lewis nailed it when he said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Worry and seek and store about earthiness and you'll miss out on the kingdom and the things of heaven. Seek and store the things of the kingdom and you'll find earth makes a lot more sense. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You could get fired tomorrow. Your business could shut down tomorrow. Your house could burn down tomorrow. But you know you can seek the kingdom tomorrow. You know you can seek the kingdom today. You know you can walk with Jesus today. I know that we trust Jesus enough for our eternity, but let me ask you, and I'm asking myself at the same time, do I trust Jesus enough to not do a panicked WebMD search? Do I trust Jesus enough to open my mouth and share the gospel with my Muslim Uber driver? Seek first the kingdom. Let your light shine before all men so they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Your father cares for you. Crank up your Netflix, watch planet Earth, and behold the glory of God. And maybe your worries will get dialed in to the kingdom first. That's where Jesus wants to take us. Let's go there together with him. Let's pray together. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.